And now I'm in a position where I need to birdie 18 to break 80. 80 is this barrier. But I also feel like Scotty Scheffler where once I break through one time, it's just gonna flow. It's gonna be a normal thing that I do. But we gotta get there and I'm struggling right now. And welcome back. Welcome aboard another part train. I'm one of your co-hosts, Evan Singer. I got my partner in crime, Mr. Matt Cermak. What's up, Ev? You know, we're almost at 200 episodes. I, I almost drew a blank of how we start there for a second. But we'll keep grinding. 199. Um, guys, this is 199. You're right. Yeah. Guys, in case you're new or if this is your 199th ride on the train, thank you so much for hopping aboard. If your golf game is off the rails, if you're sick of riding the struggle bus, You've come to the right place. The part train helps frustrated golfers enjoy the ride again on and off the course, because if you can learn to smile through bad golf, you can smile through anything. Trust us. We've lived it. The part train podcast unpacks the mental game with PJ tour pros, bestselling authors, CEOs, sports psychologists, everyday golfers, like all of you out there and us like today's episode and more to make the hardest game in the world feel easy and help you finally get back on track. This episode of the part train, like every episode of the part train is presented by Roback Activewear. Heard of it. And we've got a couple of fun announcements with Roback. Number one, we just got an email from Will at the Roback team that said the long wait is almost over. Mm-hmm. Roback's shorts are finally almost ready to launch. They are sending us some Let's before go. they launch for us to try. We are so excited. We've been waiting for these for a very long time. And also, we don't talk about these as much, Sarm, but it's getting hot. And the performance tees, I'm wearing one right now. I'm wearing one of the camo ones. The performance tees are underrated, I think. I don't think they sell as many of these as they probably do with polos and hoodies, but they're just as good. Talk about lounging, workouts. Is that the long sleeve or short sleeve you got on there, Ev? I got the short right now, but the long is probably my favorite. Yeah, I've got a couple long sleeves. They're great. Love them. Working out, lounging, running errands. Driving range. Um, Driving range going tonight, actually. Probably going to oh, wear it. I've been it's the great. last two nights. Thanks uh, for walking me through my short game yesterday at the short game area. If you guys didn't catch on an Instagram live, that was awesome. It was awesome. So, no, I mean, obviously, I agree with you. I have the, the performance long and short are incredible. Everybody should have a couple in their closet, in their drawer. All right. I got to interrupt our own intro for a second because I just realized when Sermon and I recorded this episode, it was well before the new Roback shorts launched well they just dropped yesterday and they sent me two of them ahead of time i've since had them send me every color because i literally can't take the shorts off and i wanted to tell you a little bit about them they're called everyday shorts they've been working on these shorts for two years i've been counting down the days until these came out because roback's so good at all the tops and it's about time that they start getting into bottoms and finally they are here now i want to get you to this episode so i won't go on too long But the only thing you got to know is at first I was like, wait, there's no belt loops. I thought there's going to be belt loops. And now I finally understand why it's a stretchy waist designed for ultimate comfort. Okay. And I literally have done everything. in These shorts I've golfed in these shorts. I've gone out in these shorts to a nice dinner because when you wear your shirt out, you can't tell that they're an athletic short. So there's the caveat. I wouldn't probably wear these shorts to a really nice country club because I'm going to tuck in my shirt with a belt. But if you are playing more casual rounds and you wear your shirt untucked, these can 100% be used for golf and pretty much everything else. They're my new go-to workout short. They're my new go-to lounge short. They're my new go-to errands short. And if I'm playing a casual round of golf, I'll wear them then too. So go to roback.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off these shorts. I see everybody on Instagram is tapping our link like crazy. People are DMing me asking how good they are. I'm telling you, they're amazing. Go to rowback.com, enter the code train, get 50% off the shorts because they will sell out. All right. Now let's get back to the regular intro. Rowback's always focused more on the shirts, the vests, the hats. This is new. This is big. Uh, Very exciting. And speaking of hats, as another teaser, we are in the works. Go to our Instagram. We've got a bunch of polls on our story. They'll probably be gone by the time you hear this, but keep an eye out on our Instagram at the par train because we are going to use the Rowback hats. A lot of people have been asking, instead of the high-structured, semi-flat brim, which is more Cali lifestyle, which is what I live in, oh, we're going to do more of, yeah, you know, it's a lifestyle. We're going right. <laughs> to do more of a classic dad hat, the curved bill, the everyday dad hat, Midwest not a real term. hat. Okay, oh. so we are working on those. Midwest um, mannered. 
keep your eyes out for that. But going back to Roback, Roback.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off. If you forget the code, if you're not sure what it is, just go to our show notes for this episode or any episode. You can tap that link. It'll auto apply in your cart. Thanks to Roback. A lot of fun stuff coming with them, especially maybe even a giveaway for oh, yeah. 200, 200 episodes. So keep your eyes out on the giveaway um, on our Instagram at the part train. Okay. This has been a long time in the making, this episode. We've been yeah. wanting to do this for weeks. It keeps getting pushed back. We're finally able to do it. This is a mailbag podcast. I think these are some of our listeners' favorite episodes because we just we get voicemails from people just like you, the listener, and Sermon and I do our best to break it down and provide some tidbits that you can take and hopefully improve your game and take from it. So we always pick relatable voicemails, voicemails that we think will apply to a lot of people. And we also pick interesting stories that we think, you know, you don't hear that often. So pretty good balance today, I think. Yeah. I mean, we love these episodes, right? I think we all get to kind of learn from each other. So appreciate fans from all over the world calling in, writing in. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got a bunch of notes here, Ev. You know, I'm always taking Sir notes. Max written out notes. I've got notes on my computer. We've got old school, new school. That's We've how got we always are. Like, I know. We've got breaking <laughs> 80. A guy that hasn't broken 80 in a while. We've got pre-shot routine question. He wants to blow up his routine. What should we start with? What do you do when your swing's not feeling great or you just come off a lesson? There's a lot of good stuff in this. So should we just dive in? Let's dive in. All right, let's do this. So first things first, Greg calling in about breaking 80. What I'm going to do is play the voicemail and then we're each going to provide our advice. Sound good? Sounds good. All right, guys, I got a story for you. I haven't broken 80 since I was 18 years old playing high school golf. I'm 30 now, so I am due. I'm due. It's been a minute. So I was playing golf on Monday. I've been listening to you guys a lot, and I've been trying to, you know, utilize your your tools. And one of the big ones for me is, um, you know, extroverts. They tend to go internal when they're stressed. So I am so extroverted I am, it's sickening. So I was trying to just stay as external as possible during this round. I'm talking up all all of the guys I'm playing with. I'm talking through every shot. I'm going, you know, look behind the green, look at that that tuft of grass. I'm heading right there and the wind's going to bring it back right towards the flag. And I am just striping every iron I'm hitting doing this. I'm taking aggressive swings at conservative lines, trying my best to really really stay in the moment and I end up shooting a 37 on the front now we had two groups playing with us so at the turn grabbing a hot dog and everyone in our group is going hey man you got a really good round going because we're using 18 birdies to track it so everyone knows what I'm shooting they're going yeah man you really got it going you really got it going and I'm just like shut up like we're not going to talk about this uh I feel like a pitcher that's got a no hitter going and everyone needs to just calm down because it doesn't exist yet. The round's not over. I still got nine holes to play. I still got to do this thing. So we're staying out there. I'm trying to stay calm. Everyone in my group is trying to keep me calm. Uh, We're doing the same process. We're talking everything out. I'm playing really well through like 14 and a half holes. I end up double bogeying 16 and 17, and now I'm in a position where I need to birdie 18 to break 80. And I just yank my drive, the bat, the first bad swing I've had with the driver all day, yank it into a farm field. It's marked as lateral, so I find my ball. I'm able to get a swing on it, but I end up getting a bogey on 18, shooting an 81, and it's just it's devastating. It's back to the drawing board. Now I got to do it all over again, and I feel like 80 is this barrier. But I also feel like Scotty Scheffler where – once I break through one time, it's just going to flow. It's going to be a normal thing that I do, but we got to get there and I'm struggling right now. Love the story. I think a lot of people can relate to this. I'll go first term. I struggled with this for a while and I think everybody has, but I was just talking to John Weir, founder of mental golf type yesterday or two days ago. And he said something to me really profound. He said, if you think about a plank of wood. Let's say I give you a foot long piece of wood and it's a foot off the ground. And I tell you to go across it. You might run across it. You might dance across it. You might go across it quick. But if you put that same plank of wood 
across two buildings, 500 feet off the ground. Imagine how differently you're going to walk across that plank, right? It's the same plank, but the consequences feel different, right? That's exactly what happens here. So let's just review for a second. Greg, your process equaled your results on the front nine, right? You guys, it sounded like the whole group was kind of buying into this external thing, especially Greg was. He was joking around, talking to a lot of people, talking out shots. He wasn't thinking about breaking 80 that day. He was probably just focusing on staying external, swinging aggressive to conservative targets, things he can control, right? The minute he starts playing well and that process leads to good results, he did what a lot of people do. He tried to hang on, right? Which is normal. The consequences go up. You get attached to that outcome. You get excited. You get nervous. You haven't done in a while. You think about how long it's been. You make it bigger than what it is. And suddenly you're trying to hang on. Now, let's be very clear about something. He said he tried to keep the process the same, talking shots out. But if you really pick out what he's saying, the process did change. People weren't talking to him as much. He probably wasn't talking to other people as much. He was still talking shots out loud, but he was doing in a way that was trying to hang on instead of just hitting shots, right? And so here's the main distinction and point I want to make here. A lot of people will say, well, just don't think about it. Well, that's not helpful because- Well, it's impossible. It's, it's impossible not to. And it's like Brett McCabe, sports psychologist of John Rahm told us, you can't tell a soldier in Iraq to imagine it's North Carolina, right? Right. So you have to be able to accept your new reality, but set a new goal, right? Set a new measure of success, right? Your measure of success was not shooting a 37 on the front. Your measure of success was staying external and swinging aggressively to conservative targets. So the one piece of advice I'd give Greg is change your game, change your measure of success. In that situation, I would set a goal of your percentage of commitment shots or your percentage of aggressive swings at conservative targets, right? Or your percentage of staying external. I would want you to start writing on your scorecard and try and beat a 90% commitment percentage right? So now your goal, you know, you're going to break 80 if you reach over 90% commitment, right? What's happening is your commitment level goes down. Your conviction goes down because you're trying not to mess up instead of trying to hit a good shot. It's kind of like, um, he mentioned Scotty Scheffler. This is exactly what Scotty Scheffler did to win the masters. He was up four with four to play. He still went for it in two over 15 at Augusta. Because that's yeah. what the shot called for. Joe told us that. Your brother told us that. Regardless of what your opponent does in a match, if the hole calls for driver, still hit driver. Right. There's a level of conviction of sticking with your plan. And Scotty didn't think, let me stick to 15 under or whatever it was. He was saying, let's get to 16. He created a new goal and he attacked. He stayed offensive. I'm not saying be reckless, but he stayed offensive. So I think that's the key here, Greg. And it's a normal thing. But remember, you're either getting validated or you're getting educated. And the front nine validated your process. The back nine educated you. You got best of both worlds in one round. So instead of feeling, quote, devastated, I actually think you should be really encouraged. Wow. You're right there. You just took the words out of my mouth. You just learned something that's going to help you break 80 moving forward. And also, last thing I'll say, Serm, what's going to change in Greg's life if he breaks 80? We all want to do it. It's a great accomplishment but we're making it too big in your mind where nothing's going to change. The only thing that's going to change is you're going to DM us, tell us you broke 80. We're going to celebrate together. You're going to tell your buddies, your buddies are going to celebrate, maybe get you a beer inside. Then you're going to go back and you're going to want to do it again the next time. So really this is an amazing moment to learn what helps you when you come down the stretch. It could be some physical cues too, right? What happened with your swing? We need to ask, why did you double bogey those two holes? right? Did you pick the wrong club? Did you not commit? Are you getting quick in your transition? Maybe you have a physical key you can lean on when, when you get close to breaking 80, like a lighter grip or smooth swing in transition or swing it to right field. If you're hooking it, you know, there's a lot of things that it's hard for us to maybe give you the best advice because we don't know all the details, but I wouldn't feel devastated. I feel encouraged. I feel excited and use it as a, a, an education moment. That's great. Cause I have written down here because I'm quoting you, Greg, 
back to the drawing board, devastating, yeah, right. struggling. And I, this is what Greg I have for a dude. Stop. You're right there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so here's, what's great is, you know, Greg knows what it's like to be under the gun now. Yeah. He broke 80 when he was 18, but that was so long ago. It's probably not familiar, but now he's familiar. Unfortunately, we shot 81, Greg, and you had those two double bogeys, but this is exciting because you have the familiarity. Okay. You're going to get yourself back in this position again. And you're like, okay. And if you start to tense up, or if you have that good front nine, you're doing okay on the back nine, but then you're going to be like, wait a second. I know these feelings. I know how to deal with this. I know how to react to this. And ultimately, I know how to play better golf because of this. It sucks. We need to learn, be thrown in the fire, get the bad results first, which are really not that bad. And then have the great results. Quick story, Av. I mean, and Greg, my freshman year of high school, Illinois State golf, we have regionals, sectionals, and state. You go to regionals, you got to qualify out of regionals to get to sectionals. You got to qualify out of sectionals to get to state. I'm there as a freshman, sectionals. Going into the day, I knew 76, 77 was going to be the number. I'm three over par with two holes left. And I get on that 17 tee box. 17 is par three and 18 is a par four. I just remember not committing. I was scared. I was nervous. And I ended up bogeying 17 and bogeying 18 to shoot five over and missed by one. Yeah, I was just like, I just let the moment get to me. But I was a freshman. It was sectionals. What did I do next year? I went out and shot 72 and I won sectionals. And coming down the stretch, you can bet that I was thinking about it. One or two bad swings for making a double, making a triple. I could play 16 great holes and I could still miss it. So being familiar really helped. So Greg, you're right there. I really think you're going to break 80 soon because you're going to know how to react. And here's what I'd say in some of the, in terms of the physical keys, Ev, look, when we get nervous, you can't just tell yourself not to be nervous. You're just going to have to focus a little bit harder on your breathing. You're going to have to focus a little bit harder on walking slower. Um, and it's okay to back off if it doesn't feel right. And so you just have to be a little more aware of that adrenaline too. That's another thing. You're near the moment. Joe talked about this. Sometimes the adrenaline takes over. You make a great swing, but you're not aware of that adrenaline and you hit it over the green or hit into a hazard. So Greg, I'd be really encouraged. The goal isn't to break 80, Greg. The goal is go through your routine, work on your breathing, and just think about doing the best you can do. That's what you did on the front nine. You kind of got caught up in the back nine. So yeah, um, I think next I time think- we talk to Greg, he's going to be 77, 78. I agree. And remember, like, I think this is something that a lot of scratch and below players do well that probably a five and above don't is maybe an eight and above, whatever. Isn't it funny how Greg probably shot one of the best rounds he's shot in a long time, right? If he hasn't broken 80 in that long, 81 probably is the best score. round he's shot. It's and just he said he, devastated because how he got to the 81, right? Right. If, if he makes three up and downs in a row, you know, to shoot 81 on the last drills, he's walking out feeling I good. I bet you, you know? well, on that point, I bet you Greg made a couple putts that day. I bet you Greg got up and down a few days. He's not remembering that. He's only remembering the mistakes. Because they happen because they happen late in the round. Right. Remember, Greg, double bogeys happen. Yeah. They they just do. It's just back-to-back doubles. I think that's your greatest learning. And as we talked about, think about where your mind was, think about your decision making was. You're right there. Yeah, guys, it's not about avoiding the feeling. Cermak just said when he won sectionals, he was thinking about it. It's normal. Our brains are designed to prevent pain again, right? Mm -hmm. You you feel devastated your brain's going to do everything it can to make that not want to happen again. That's how we're wired. But the skills on this show is to teach you to acknowledge what is coming in and then choose something that gives you a better chance. Right. And Serm, you won anyways, Greg, you're right there. All right. Use this as a great education moment and find the things that work for you based on the, the options we gave you, but you're right there. Thanks for writing in. Appreciate it. Thanks, Greg. All right. This next one, this one's very interesting. And I experienced this last or a couple weeks ago. So I'm excited to get in this. Let's play this from Jackson. Hey, Evan, the question that I had for you in the podcast was how does one maintain a strong mental game when you know you're not swinging it well or you just had a lesson or you're trying to improve something in your golf swing in the past when things kind of start to get out of whack for myself and my swing, um, kind of the whole idea of picking a target and swinging a target goes out the window because then my thoughts are making sure that my right elbow is in my in the place that it needs to be or the takeaway is perfect or not to stand up out of the shot or whatever I'm struggling with. Um, so any thoughts you'd have there would be great. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Jackson. This is something that 
I think most people feel probably more than what we'd like to admit, right? You're out there, doesn't feel good. How do you commit when your physical swing doesn't feel good, right? You're yep. coming off a lesson or you feel like you have to do this thing in your swing in order to hit it right. Jackson, I'll repeat something that Bob Rotella told us, which is he said, you can think whatever you want going into the ball, but when you're over that ball, he wants mindlessness. He wants to let the body take over. So if you're focused on a quote, perfect takeaway, that's clue number one. Cermax heard me struggle with this for years. Yeah. There is no perfect takeaway. The takeaway is important because it sets up the rest of the swing, but I've certainly hit a ton of good shots with not the best takeaway. You see it every day in golf. Nobody has really has a great takeaway other than scratch and pros. Like most players don't have a yeah, good takeaway. But real quick, I have the top 10 yeah. take top 10 players in the world. They all have different, most of them have different takeaways. Yes. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) I guess my point there and and Rotella's point is you got to let your body do its thing. If you're thinking about your right elbow in the right spot or perfect takeaway, you're getting in the way of your natural motor patterns. Now, with that being said, I've got a very relatable story. I haven't shared this yet. I've been really reflecting on this because I want to do a video, at least one, probably multiple posts about this on social and maybe even a podcast on it. But I'll give you a little taste now. Two weeks ago, I had my Ricky Cup, which is my Ryder Cup trip. And I had really been last couple months kind of struggling with my swing. My natural flight is a draw. And the last couple months, I've been kind of coming in with this open face and hitting these high, weak fades, right? And blocks. And I'll admit it, that's a little disconcerting when it's a totally opposite thing and you're not quite sure what it is and you're missing it both ways. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's a lot of tentativeness there. And one thing happened that I think is a little similar to what Jackson is describing here for me. I fell into an old pattern where I was rolling it in, coming in with this open face. And because of the results that were in front of me, it became very hard to swing aggressively to conservative targets. I lost all confidence and therefore the face was coming in even more open because I wasn't releasing it. I wasn't ripping it. All of the things I naturally do well in my swing were gone. And my flaws were exacerbated because of the fact that I felt such lack of confidence, right? So what I learned from this experience and what I would say to you, Jackson, is I needed to follow my own advice. I forgot some of the lessons. And that's why this stuff's so important. There's no such thing as I got it. It is a daily, hourly practice. This stuff comes up every day. I don't care how long you've studied the mind. I don't care how good your mindfulness practice is. I don't care how good you are. Tiger Woods, he says all the time, he shows up, he didn't know where the ball was going, but he manages it. There's no such thing as you have it and you lost it. This is a part of it. But the one thing that I wish I would have repeated myself and followed more in that moment of just feeling really uncomfortable is ride the wave. That's something that I've been repeating to myself. And what it means is, is I don't need to jump ship. I don't need to get my life vest on and jump off. I need to stay in my boat and ride that wave. And it's going to take me up. And guess what? Going up, I feel all this discomfort. If you just let it pass, I will come down from it. I think the panic is really the thing that we're trying to work on the most. I don't really care about your right elbow. I don't really care about the perfect takeaway, I'd say, what is the one physical key that helps you hit the ball the best that is less technical, more feel, whether that's a tempo feel, whether that's a transitional feel, whether that's just your takeaway and nothing else, and then swing aggressive to conservative targets. Okay. Like I said before, you're either validated or educated. I got educated on some tendencies and bad habits. And I think you are as well. We all do. So yeah, when you're not feeling great, I think it's important to accept you're not feeling great. Instead of wishing you felt better, accept that you're not going to be all fairways and greens. Accept that you're going to make pars from the trees today or be a scramble machine. Maybe spend more time in your short game before the round or leading up to these rounds, right? And and embrace the recovery part of it or go to a go-to shot, a punk shot, and focus only on tempo. These are things that can manage it, but... Work on the technique at the range and then believe and accept that you got enough to go with when you get to the course. And I know that's not easy. I've struggled with that for years, 
but it's a practice just like anything else. And that's, this is one of the hardest parts about golf, right? How can I maintain belief that I can hit a shot without seeing it in front of me? Because a lot of times that belief, you're not confident because you're hitting it good. A lot of times you're hitting it good because you feel confident, right? So how can you trick yourself into that? How can you swing aggressive to conservative targets, even when you don't feel it? That's good. Ev. No, I think that's very relatable. Yeah, Jackson, I mean, have you talked a lot about acceptance, right? Accept the shot you have that day, accept who you are that day. That is important. Even when I was a kid working on mechanics, I used to get way too caught up in mechanics, too analytical. My coach would say, look, we're going to work on your takeaway on the range here today on a Saturday morning. But when you go play, you can't think about it. And I'll take it a step further too for you, Jackson. Unless you know, you're a top, you're a scratch player, maybe better, you shouldn't even be working on those mechanics but before you play. I see that a lot, like, you know, like really working the takeaway. Yes, we want to get that takeaway better, but on the range before you play, you should be thinking about one, first getting loose, getting your body in a good physical place. And two, thinking about what course you're playing today. You know, is it windy? If it's windy, maybe I need to hit some more knockdowns on the range. You know, if there's a lot of long par threes, you're going to be hitting long irons or hybrids, hit a few more hybrids on the range, right? The first hole is a three wood. You're hitting the three wood is your last shot of the range session. So that's your first shot going in to your round. So having the right little bit of strategy and intention on the range, you're thinking about playing, not practicing and getting to a perfect position. Now, look, then you go play that round and tomorrow at the range, go back and hammer home your takeaway with your right elbow. I get it. But I think that's huge. I mean, I'll keep it simple here for Jackson. I think it's three T's, especially when things don't feel right. It's target, it's tempo. And it's turn. Identify your target, right? You know, you got, we know smooth tempo helps no matter what. Quick and jerky gets us into a bad spot. And then turn, make it a good athletic turn. It's something I've always liked, Jackson. But oftentimes when we're thinking about positions, when we're not sure where the ball is going, we forget to turn. <laughs> it's so funny. It's, uh, it's really hard to turn when you're trying to get your right elbow folded. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I did it. But then you didn't turn. Then, yeah. then you're like, I blocked it. Oh, my mechanics are terrible. So target tempo turn Jackson. You know, it's That's so funny. I played with my soon to be father-in-law and brother-in-law a couple weeks ago. It was last week, actually last week. And, um, you know, my future brother-in-law, you met him, Will on the bachelor party. Uh, He's Will's probably great. like a 30 handicap, right? Never plays. Yeah. And top in every shot. And my future father-in-law, Tony goes, Hey, stop jerking off. You're yeah. Jerking off out there. Be smooth. <laughs> yeah. So I started calling him Mo throughout the round because slow-mo will hit it great so i just said all you got to do will is be slow-mo be mo out there slow-mo 60 percent swings right and he was crushing it the last thing i'll say really quick i just realized jackson is i think you would really benefit from going to mentalgolftype.com taking an assessment and sending us a message because what it sounds like to me jackson is you are a target side dominant player because in stress you're focusing on player side, meaning your mechanics, your swing. Yeah. That's a sign that you are in stress. What Cermak just suggested, target, that's focusing on what's out in front of you. That's probably where you should be, but I don't know for sure unless you take the free assessment. But that's also important, right? We're giving blanket advice, but your mental golf type might call for something else and give you more reasoning as to why you go in certain areas during stress or not. So I'm going to post more content about that as we go and I'm certified in that now, but just something to keep in mind. I think that'll help add some additional context, but thank you, Jackson. I think it's a follow-up there too. Good, uh, relatable stuff that so many people have experienced. All right, let's take a quick break and hear from another favorite sponsor of ours. And we'll get right back to the show. So it is crazy. It's almost football season and it's going to be football season here very soon. And a lot of people think that there's nothing better than, playing a morning round and then getting back and watching football, right? Well, what better treat or gift to get yourself than getting yourself a Roosters belt that is the colors of your favorite either college football team or NFL team? I think they're more on college, but go to shoproostas.com, enter the code TRAIN, and you'll get 15% off and free shipping. You can check out all the colors, but I know they're really big on college football colors. That's kind of how they started. And that's, I think, what drives a lot of their business is people wear the belts tailgating, they wear it to games, and then they wear it golfing, especially on game day. So shoproostas.com. Again, these are stretch woven 
belts. They got a bunch of different colors. If you want a classic color, that's not college football based. They've got classics too. If you want to keep it more subdued, or if you want to get louder, they got a ton of college football combos. So shop roostas.com, enter the code train, get yourself 15% off and free shipping. And you guys will elevate and take those rollback outfits to the next level. All right, let's get back to the show. Let's go to another Greg. This is all about pre-shot routine. Cermak is all about a pre-shot routine. So I'm going to let Cermak lead this one off. But let's hear from Greg first. Hey, guys. This is Greg calling from everybody's hometown, Media, Pennsylvania. I've been listening to the podcast for a while. You guys have really done a lot to help me in in several aspects of my game. A lot more smiles are are back out on the course. So thank you for that. More recently, I've been obsessing over pre-shot routine. You know, you guys talk a lot about pre-shot routine on the pod, and it really makes sense to me as a way to get in the zone and to commit to my shot. I'm concerned, am I getting in the right zone to really execute that shot? I watch a lot of professional golf, and, and certainly I see the pros have their routines. When I'm out playing with my buddies, you know, I look around and I'll say that they don't really have any pre-shot routines. And not surprisingly, we're all running some pretty high handicaps. And currently, I have no faith in the pre-shot routine that I've developed. So I'm wondering, you know, do you guys have any tips on what to consider or how to develop a good pre-shot routine? You know, should it always be the same? Or is there a different routine, say, on the tee box versus on the fairway? Or even on the green, is there a different routine there? You know, really eager uh, to hear your guys' thoughts on this and, and for your guidance here in developing a pre-shot routine. Thanks again for all that you do, the improvements so far to my game. Looking forward to some more help in the future. So till then, let's keep enjoying the ride. Thanks again. Take it easy. Love it, Greg. I mean, look, you're already thinking the right things. It sounds like you're one out of the bunch that is working on your routine, trying to understand what it means, especially from a pre-shot perspective. So Ev, I'm going to dive in here. Uh, there's really, to me, this is twofold. There's two parts to a pre-shot routine. And the only way to get good at it is simply by practicing it. Greg, let's talk about, should it be the same for your long game versus putting and shipping? What I would say is long game for me off the tee box, approach shots are always the same. I would say my chipping and putting is different than my long game, but it's always the same when I do it. So, you know, what does that really look like? You're probably asking. Well, first, well, I guess this is a little more focused on long game, but here's the process. And this is the first part of the routine. This is what I do. Okay. When I get over the shot, whether it's on the tee or second shot, it goes in order like this. I figure out what's my yardage, what's the wind, what's the club I have to hit and the shot I'm going to choose to hit. And then I've got to commit to that. So let's go through that again. What's my yardage? What's the wind doing? What's the club? What's the shot I'm going to hit? And when I'm thinking about the club and the shot too, I'm thinking about you know where I want to be. I have to understand where I don't need to be. And then I've got to do it. I'm a believer in that, in that order right there. So there's that part, right? You got to practice that. Well, here's the next part. This is what's fun. You get to make this all about you, okay? You've also got to figure out what I like to do before I hit the ball. Well, who's me? Are you going to stand behind it? Are you going to make two practice swings? Are you going to make three practice swings? Are you not going to make a practice swing? And then how are you going to walk into the ball? Are you going to walk up to it with three steps? You know, five steps. Are you going to start with your feet narrow, make one small step, one big step? How many times are you going to look at the target? I do a pre-shot waggle, kind of like Mike Weir made that famous. A lot of guys do that before a hit and then go. You have to practice this, but find what feels good for you. You watch a lot of pre-shot routines. Some guys take practice swings. Some guys don't. Some guys take long looks. Some guys take one look. But this has to be the same. This is what you have to develop and find out what feels good for you. That's what I would say, Ev. I mean, they got to go hand in hand, right? You got to understand what the shot is and understand the dynamics of it, the yardage, the wind, the club selection. And then you've got to do your rehearsal. It's your rehearsal, right? And repeat it every time. But that's going to take practice. I would time yourself, Greg. I would put yourself on video of your routine. And I would try a few different things because it does take a while and you have to dedicate practice sessions specifically to this. And what comes out of this, what comes out of this, Greg, is going to be just awesome results because you're focused on this. You're not focused so much on your swing. You're not so much focused on your score. You know what I should be doing. I should be doing. You're just focused on doing your routine. 
And anytime you, you know, once you create a habit, you create consistency, it's what you lean on. That's what the best players do. They lean on the routines. They have thoughts. Yeah. I love it. The one thing I would say to Greg, I love everything you said, but the one thing I will say, Greg, I wouldn't get so caught up in number of steps and waggles right away. I think Sir Max is saying like, you want it to be the same because I don't want it to be overwhelming to him. No, I got to figure out if I'm going to waggle, how I'm going to step into it. To me, the one thing I would say is this is a primer, right? You're priming for your shot. So what gives you the most confidence and eliminates the most tension before a swing? What gives you the best chance to have a good swing? So for me, what's helped is I don't take a practice swing on any of my full swings. However, around the greens, that was a big change for me is I realized I needed a practice swing to understand how that club's going through the turf for the specific shot that I have. Sometimes I rehearse a certain shot. I realize it's sticking a little bit or it's getting a little caught. And maybe that's information to me where this isn't a sweep, right? It's getting caught. I maybe need to get a little steeper and gouge this out. Like we worked on yesterday on Instagram live. So so find a routine that helps you be deliberate, confident, and um, releases tension. To me, if you're kind of like, I don't know where to start. To me, the best thing you could do to start with is your breath over the ball. I mean, we've gotten so many messages about that from Cal Shapiro's episode of just getting over the ball, taking a deep breath, letting all all of your air out, and then starting your swing. That's a tension releaser. So if you're like on the drawing board, I would start with that because there's nothing bad that can come from releasing tension. Whether you want to practice swing or not, that's all up to you. That's all preference. Uh, The one thing I'll say with people that I see that do a practice swing is if the practice swing doesn't feel good, they feel like, oh no, I need to do it until it does. And now that's creating more tension and lack of belief in the shot. So for me, removing the practice swing was a way to stay confident. I don't need to feel it unless it's a touch feel shot, you know, where I need to really feel the motion and everything. So hundred percent of, and for Greg, we can loop it around with this, whatever it is, it's just, it's got to feel good to you and you got to be able to repeat it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. That's it. So this is what you're going to lean on. And again, it doesn't need to be the same across all shots, right? Again, short game is different. Putting's different for me than a driver, right? But based on certain misses and certain tendencies, create a routine that gives you confidence and releases tension. Greg, I want you to think about that. Use it as an experiment. Don't think about it as a burden that it has to be perfect. Take the pressure off and get excited about trying to find what works for you. Yeah, that's the whole point. That's the fun of it is this is an experiment to find what your routine is going to be. So take off the pressure, send us a DM on Instagram at the par train and let us know how you're doing and um, hope that helps. Love it. All right, guys, let's take a quick break here from one of our favorite sponsors, and then we'll get you right back to this show. I promise. So a lot of people have been DMing me and my friends have actually been texting me, especially my buddies for my bachelor party. People have been texting me. Hey, what's that code again for that sunscreen we're using in Cabo? And I'm like, it's train at oarsandalps.com. It'll get you 15% off. And the reason why they're asking is because I think they're finally waking up to this fact, especially because they saw the story about banana boat got recalled for having benzene, traces of benzene in their sunscreen, which is proven to be cancer causing. Same thing happened with Coppertone Sport. And I think they're finally realizing that, yeah, maybe I should spend like 15 to 20 bucks on a really good sunscreen that smells good, that protects me, that doesn't have crazy chemicals, instead of relying on my friend having something or the pro shop or, you know, random store on the way to the course. So go to oarsandalps.com. Do what all my friends are doing, enter the code train and get yourself the best sunscreen per men's health in 2021. They've got a great SPF 30 spray, SPF 50 spray. The face, the go stick is incredible. It's great to have in the bag. And they also have a ton of other great products. So if you're going to use the code, might as well package it up and get some deodorant, some face wipes. Uh, They sent me some eye cream. I'm almost embarrassed to admit it, but they sent me this like sample eye cream. And Tara, my fiance, was telling me, like, what what have you done recently? There's something with your face that looks different, that looks like really bright and nice. And I'm like, I don't know. I, I've been putting on this eye cream that Orzen Alp sent me. And she's like, yeah, keep doing that. So I guess my point is, is that men deserve to look good, feel good, too. 
So go to oarsandalps.com, enter the code train, get yourself 50% off the sunscreen and maybe anything else that you deserve and throw in this. All right, let's get back to the show. I think this is our last one. We might have time to read a written in, but we'll see how long this last one goes. Let's hear from John. You say each shot is a reflection of you, but how do I train my mind to understand no one cares how you play? Play only for myself without fear of judgment. Fear of judgment. You want to go first, Sam? Yeah, I mean, I guess we talk a lot about this, right? This is interesting. It's a, it's a really good question. John, first thing I would do is, if it's possible, I'd go out and play around by yourself, or I'd go maybe play with people you don't know. It sounds like when you play with your friends or your buddies or your guys you compete with, your family, you struggle with performing maybe to the best of your abilities because you're worried about what they're going to think. You know, if you play bad that day and it's getting in the way of like your process and your routine. So I'd go play by yourself. I'd go, or I'd go play with a random foursome <laughs> and the people who don't know you. And, and I would just be very aware of what your mind and body is like when you're doing that and kind of get a feeling and understanding of what it's like when you're playing by yourself versus when you're playing with your brother or your best buddy. And I, I bet there's a difference. I bet there's a difference. Because this isn't easy, Evan. You've talked a lot about this. Too. You don't. This is not something you just get over. And these are not thoughts that just go away. We all want to do well. We all want to, whether it's win that match or prove to your buddies that you're improving or you're good and things like that. But, um, you know, it goes a little bit into what we talked about in the last voicemail about routine. You know, it sounds like there's really not a good routine there, John. You've got to get a little more internal with your processes and have things to focus on, Right. The pre-shot routine is big for this scenario. You got to create a vibe out there for yourself. You don't seem to have your own personal thing going on. You're very, very concerned about others. So those are some initial thoughts, Ev. This is always a continued conversation, I think. (laughs) This is going to take time. And there's no, I got it. There's no, I got it. It's a daily practice. But you've got to at least go do something. Like I said, play by yourself to see what you can be the opposite of this. You are capable of actually feeling different when you're in a different scenario and ultimately better. Right. Yeah. So those are some initial thoughts. Jump in. Yeah. So this is what I love about this show. This is what I love about golf. Golf is forcing us to learn something we can use every day in our lives. I'm going to give you a couple examples, actually wedding analogies, because I'm getting married in from recording today, 24 days. Love it. First things first, I've got a, a story that I think might help, Sean. I went to a wedding in 2019 where I didn't know anyone and I was basically going alone. I was going with one coworker. It was weird. People were like, are you guys dating? It's like, no, we're just two friends of, you know, a good friend at work. It was just me and her. We don't know anyone else. Probably going to be on my own a lot at this full wedding weekend in Canada, different country. Okay. Love it. And I remember I felt some anxiety going in because it's a classic high school feeling, right? You don't want to be in the corner. No one's talking to you and you feel like everyone's looking at you. It's embarrassing, right? Or you're at the table. Everyone's talking to them to each other. You don't know what to say. You fear of judgment. Okay. Well, my life coach, uh, we worked on this and actually turned into one of the best life lessons I ever learned. She said, be the host and being the host Imagine going to a party as a guest versus going to a party as a host. When you are hosting a party, you go around making sure everyone's got their drink filled. Do they need a snack? Are they good? Hey, how have you been? Right? You're hosting them. You're thinking about them. Now, I know how hard of a jump it sometimes feels when you're feeling sorry for yourself to put others first, but it's the best hack that there is. I think I read a book, the book of joy with the Dalai Lama said the fastest way to suffering is focusing on yourself. If you think about every time you're feeling down, you're probably in a narrative of poor me. I'm not good enough. I did this poorly. Imagine what happens when you start focusing on others. So start asking them about their game, start complimenting them about their game. Start asking, Hey, how did you hit that shot? What did you focus on with that shot? Right? So Being the host is actually a great way to get out of the fear of judgment because you're no longer focused on what they think. You're focused on 
maybe making them feel better. Imagine that. They might be feeling the same thing. Now, I'm going to round out this example with the latest example I have, which is planning a wedding. I have had this epiphany of it's kind of like life. Okay, sir. Planning a wedding and having it be your own wedding is what it's like experiencing life in your own head. So for example, Tara and I have put over 12 months of planning into these things. And sometimes we get questions that are on the website, or sometimes we get challenges on why are you doing it this way? And it hurts, right? It triggers, it can trigger you. Guess why? Because we've put 12 months into it. It's our big day. It's the most important day of our lives. And so of course, it's going to feel terrible when people challenge that. Now, imagine what it's like being a wedding guest. You're not thinking about that. You're focused on your own stuff. Why do they pick this food? Why do they pick that? Right? So this is the difference between what it's like being in your own head versus someone else. My lesson for this story is everyone's just focused on themselves. Everything for them is like their wedding. Everything for someone else is like they're the guest. Okay. Everything's magnified for you and everything's not for them in regards to your stuff. If that makes sense. Just remember that. I remember someone told us like, everyone thinks that when you get off the course, people are thinking about how bad you played. No, they're thinking about their, their mistakes that they made. So compliment their game yeah, and hack yourself out of the fear of judgment. And this is a practice. Okay. But at the end of the day, it might, we say this a lot on the show, sir, but it might feel true, John, but it doesn't help you. So we got to start leaning into a practice right. that's more productive. And I think being the host practice, focusing on others and also talking yourself up, even when you don't feel it, you got to be your best cheerleader when no one else is. Yeah. I mean, everybody can feel this way, but it's always, it's, it's because like you said, Ev, they're so consumed on their, your own performance. You trick your mind to think other people are worried about you when they're going through the same thing, right? Yeah. Everybody wants to perform well, then they create these stories and narratives in their head. And one yeah. last thing I'll say too, is just, you know, when I hear, when I hear this from guys like John, it's just, they need to figure a way to focus a little bit better on what their job is. And that's always like, you know, having a good routine and then in between shots, you know, listen to some music. Like you said, I've talked to your player, talk to the guys in your group, you know, I mean, make sure your process is good. Does my glove feel good? You know, am I cleaning my clubs after my shot? You know, doing those, when you do those things, then you're actually almost creating these healthy distractions. Your mind isn't so much wavering about yeah. the negativity, but what you're doing is you're actually doing what you're, you're doing, what you're supposed to be doing, and you're setting yourself up for, you know, better vibes, more success. Ask um, questions. Ask yeah. them, get curious. Ask questions. Make yeah, people I mean, think that you're the best playing partner they've ever had. Yeah, have be fun. Be their have, cheerleader have, and be your cheerleader. Have fun with your game. Have fun with their game. You know, it's uh, it'll take a little time, but you'll get but there. John, everybody goes through this. It's not about resisting, yeah. right? Just about the, it's like the first question. Don't resist that you have a chance to break 80 and that you're getting nervous. Don't resist the nerves. Ride that wave. Accept that you have fear of judgment. And then let's reset into something a little bit more productive. Yeah. Okay. And being the host is a great way to do that. You're not the only one, John. So what do you think, sir? Should we go to the uh, handwritten question? Well, let's, let's run through it. We'll hit the themes. Go ahead. Okay. I think this is Ashley. Ashley wrote in an email. From the UK. Yeah. From the UK. And she said, I recently got into your podcast. I'm absolutely loving it. I've been binging it nonstop. We appreciate that, Ashley. Welcome aboard. Thanks, Ashley. From the UK and would love to get a question. Could you recommend some resource for me? I've been playing golf seriously for three years now. Having gave it up when I was a kid, I've had a number of lessons and got a good foundation for a decent swing, but my mental game is seriously holding me back. Well, you've come to the right place. On the range, I'm probably a 10 to 15 handicap, but on the course, I'm going to be 20, 25. My games are so wildly different. It's like two different people. Well, the range and the course are two different places. We'll get to that. I'm an anxious, self-conscious bag of nerves by nature. And this does not translate well to golf. I have serious nerves and anxiety, almost fear when I stand over the ball. I'm always complimented on my smooth practice swings, but the second I'm in front of the ball, all goes to shit. I panic, tense up, literally fear hitting the ball. I built stories for myself on each hole for the course. For example, I feel like I've never hit a good long iron on the long par fours, So I have a lot of negative connotations. These holes, I shank them every single time and I can't get away from this. They're my demons. 
I know the negative thinking is holding me back, but I cannot control my head when I start thinking these thoughts and have no idea how to combat them. I'm trying the Bob Rotella method of pre-shot, which helps, but still let the bad thoughts creep in. See, there's no such thing as letting bad thoughts creep in. Let them come in, right? Right. The worst thing for me is the thoughts on the downswing, almost like there's a small me in my shoulder saying I'm going to mess it up for sure. Think the guy from Happy Gilmore calling him a jackass. I know I should have more confidence in my ability. I'd be good. I just can't seem to fake this as I don't generally have it in real life. Any help would be hugely appreciated. You want me to go first? Yeah, that's very honest and vulnerable. Yeah, I'm Ashley, go ahead. Well, thank you, Ashley, for yeah. writing in. I think a lot of people feel this way. And I think this is why this show exists. So we're going to do everything we can to try and help you out. And we want you to email us back and let you know how you're doing. So first thing I'll say is you can't go from super anxious and fearful to confident, right? So the good, first thing first, I don't actually agree that you're an anxious person. We say these things like, oh, well, I'm this way or, oh, I'm like that way. No, you've actually just formed anxious habits based on the experiences you've had in your life. Either you were taught things by your parents or you experienced things as a kid that created a lot of anxiety. And again, like we said with Breaking 80, your brain is designed to prevent you from failing or feeling that way again. Okay? So this is just the classic trauma experience that we need to give you the tools to break out of that. Okay? So again, my goal for you, Ashley, is to not become confident and fearless right away. My goal is to feel a little less anxious. Again, this is what I love about the Joe Perrin episode. I would highly recommend listening to the Dr. Joe Perrin episode because the one thing Dr. Joe's really good at is people say all these cliches, but they don't actually give you the roadmap on how to do it. So I'm going to give Ashley the thing that really can help short circuit these patterns, which is an awareness practice. Ashley, I want you to be more concerned and celebrate the tack marks on your scorecard more than your scores. Okay. And what these tack marks are going to be is every moment that you feel anxious, every time that you say something yourself, every time that you're not committed, I want you to mark a little dash on your scorecard. And I don't care if it's 18 holes. I don't care if it's four times 18, whatever that is. What's 36? Is that 72? I don't care if that's 72 tick marks your first round, because guess what? That's your baseline. So now your goal for round two is to make that 70, to make the next time 65, because guess what? You're probably struggling to change these thoughts because you can't change without having awareness to change first. So what's going to happen is purely by counting the number of moments of anxiety or fearful thoughts or negative thoughts, you're going to start to want to decrease that number, which is going to in turn make you more aware of what you're thinking. So now yeah. we're placing your goal and measure of success, not on your score, not on your shots, not on the number of shanks, but on the number of anxious or negative thoughts. That's going to raise your awareness. When your awareness goes up, you're naturally going to notice it more, which is going to make it easier to decrease them. And I guarantee you, because I've been through this, I've done this. You're going to go from potentially 30 plus around to 15 to 10 to three. And then that's going to be a skill and a practice that you can bring with you in all wakes of life, not just on the golf course. Okay. It's an awareness practice. I started my spiritual journey with a mental diet where I literally caught myself every negative thought I ever thought, I still have them, but they're few and far between because it's a practice. But the awareness has to be there first. So I believe in you, Ashley. I don't think you're an anxious person. I think you have anxious tendencies and habits. And the only way to break a habit is to become aware of your habit and have a practice to work against it. But I know you can do it. It's really good, Ev. Great from you too. Vulnerable, like, Talking about your journey. Yeah, appreciate it, Ashley. I mean, it's tough. A couple of things I'd taken away. I love that you're working on your pre-show routine. It's always the theme. We've talked about a lot of this episode today. Keep working on that. Find a way to make it yours. We said we we said there's no perfect routine, but like that can't go away. You know, the, the pros work on that every day. How's my routine? Keep working on your routine. I think that's great. Talk about your 10 to 15 handicap on the range. 
but you're a 25 on the course. Well, the range isn't real, right? But you need to be a little more aware of how you do feel on the range, right? And what your swing's like. And it sounds like you're smooth and relaxed and you're not worried about where the ball's going to go. You know this. And then when you get to the course, you're struggling and you tense up, you try to force it, you get really bad shots. But like, be even more aware of what your body and mind feels like when you're on the course, right? And try to take a little bit of that to the course. You know, in terms of some physical things, I'd give you a physical thought. It sounds like you like to get tense. You swing quick, you come up out of it, you shank them. I worry maybe about just keeping your head down a little longer, Ashley. I think that's going to help you because when you keep the head down, that means you trust it. That means you let the club go through. That always helped me when I was really struggling. I know it's a simple thought, but I can guarantee you're doing it on the range. You're not doing it in the course. And it's a little scary, but that's the point. It's okay. You've got a good swing. It sounds like you understand how to play good golf, but you're letting tension take over. So when you keep your head down, you're going to be smoother. Then you're going to pass through the ball better. Actually, remember, like, that's so good, sir. Remember, golf is the only sport where we practice on a different playing field than where we play, right? Basketball yep. players practice on a basketball court. Tennis players practice on a tennis court. Football players practice on a football field. We practice on a driving range with no consequences. So, again, validation versus education. You're getting information. So, imagine what would happen to Ashley's game if her only goal for the day was to swing 80% even 50%, right? Keep her head down and, and track her negative thoughts. Yeah, I, I think it's great. I think also for the part long part fours, Ashley, those are tough, the toughest golf holes on the course. They're tough for me, okay? And I played yeah. in college. So maybe think about, all right, well, it's not often am I going to hit this green, but what if I can be up and around it, okay? Yeah. And if you're working on your short game in your practice, I think I didn't hear anything about short game today from you, Ashley. So I hope you're practicing your short game, but you look at those par fours. All right, well, if I can just, you know, pick a big target, swing aggressively, maybe it's the front of the green. And even if I miss the green, which is often on a par four, you're chipping. Okay. But you're familiar with those chips. You, this is your home course. You might find a way to make more pars than you could think, but you're going to eliminate the big numbers when you're, you're way more concerned about playing the hole strategically as opposed to, well, I just can't do this. I just can't hit the green. Yeah, I don't hit a lot of long par fours and two either, but I my goal is to be up and around it to make a par. So work on your short game too. That'll connect it all back and give you positive thinking when you're out on the course. And remember, like we'll end with this. Remember the why. Why do you feel like you're failing out there? It's because of past experiences. But remember, those past experiences are to teach you what works and what doesn't. So yeah. when you focus on your consequence and what it makes you feel like, what you look like, how it makes you a failure, how you're never as good on the range as you are in the course, you're taking so many expectations that they're getting in your way. So instead, think about, okay, well, that might be true, but it's not helping me. Okay. So that strategy isn't effective for me. So let's go with a new strategy with a little bit less pressure. I'm a new golfer. I've been playing for three years, for God's sakes. I've been playing for yeah. 15 plus and I struggle all the time. Everyone yeah. struggles. So instead of expecting perfection, embrace the struggle, embrace the recovery, swing aggressive to conservative targets, pick the right clubs, make it easier on yourself and give yourself a little bit more grace instead of being so hard on yourself, let's take some pressure off the course. Think about what that does for you at the range. Let's take some of that pressure off, focus on an executional key, like swinging 80%, keeping your head down and tracking your negative thoughts, work on bringing that down. Now you've got a game plan yeah. that you can lean into instead of the entire time putting yourself down because you're not matching what you did on the range, right? That's a totally different feeling. Yeah, we so, want. let's follow up on this conversation too. Yeah. Definitely send us another email, Ashley. We want to hear how you're doing. But we, again, we appreciate you writing in. I think a lot of people struggle with this. That's why I love this show because yeah. hopefully these things translate. To we all learn from each other. Yep. So thank you guys. As always, if you want to send in your question, you can email me directly, evan at thepartrain.com. Email me your voice notes off your phone. We used to do a phone line, but the quality wasn't great. It's just easier if you email me a voice note. So Evan at the partrain.com. I think we like to sprinkle one of these in every couple months, but if we get a lot of questions, we might do it more. So feel free to send them in. 
guys, if anything in this episode's helped you, if we've added any value, if you're starting to smile more, which we heard from one of the guys that called in, that makes me so happy to hear that. That's what this show is all about. Um, give us a review at Apple podcast. It means the world. Follow us at the part train on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Guys, we only do one episode a week. So if you want these tidbits to keep you inspired all week long, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at the part train. And no matter how you're feeling, sir, no matter how long you've been trying to break 80, no matter how bad your swing feels out there, no matter how much anxiety you might have, no matter if you're fearing judgment, what do they got to do, sir? Just enjoy the ride. Enjoy the ride, guys. Take care.